Mrs. Lirriper's Lodgings by Charles Dickens. Stories of a London landlady in Victorian England. Episode 2. A Tragic Arrival. Mrs. Emma Lirriper, London landlady of the 1860s, is a woman of many opinions. In episode 1, we heard how she first entered the lodgings business, and her views of wandering Christians, the girls in her service, and her arch-rival, Miss Wozenham, lower down and over the way. We heard, too, of the arrival of her long-standing guest and confidant, Major Jemmy Jackman. In this episode, with two new guests on the second floor, events take a much darker turn. Such was the beginning of Major Jackman occupying the parlours. And from that hour to this, he has been the most obliging lodger, except one irregularity which I need not particularly specify. But he has made up for this by being a protection to me and once collared a young man who had the drawing room clock hidden under his coat. And once on the parapets with his own hands and blankets, he put out the kitchen chimney that was afire. He is quite the gentleman, though passionate, and though he is far from tall, he seems almost so when he has his shirt frill out and his frock coat on and he's out with the curly brims. And in what service he was in, I cannot truly tell you, my dear, whether militia or foreign, for I never heard him even name himself as Major, but always simple Jemmy Jackman. In this respect, soon after he came, I let him know of certain facts. <coughs> Major Jackman, I have to tell you that Miss Wozenham, lower down and over the way, has been putting it about that you are no Major, which of course you are, sir. Madam, at any rate I am not a minor. And sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. This cannot be denied to be the sacred truth nor yet his military ways of having his boots with only the dirt brushed off taken to him in the front parlour every morning on a clean plate and varnishing them himself with a little sponge and a saucer and so neat in his ways that he never saws his linen which is scrupulous though more in quality than quantity neither that nor his mustachios which are to the best of my belief done at the same time and which are as black and shining as his boots his head of hair being a lovely white many is the little ruffle in my mind that the major has smoothed for he is a clever man who has seen much it was nearly three years of the major staying in the parlours that Early one February morning, when Parliament was coming on, and you may suppose that a number of impostors were about to take hold of anything they could get, that a gentleman and lady from the country came in to view the second floor. I did not quite take to the face of the gentleman, though he was good-looking, but the lady was a very pretty and delicate young thing. Now, it did so happen, my dear, that I had been forced to put five shillings weekly additional on the price of the second floor in consequence of another loss, with the lodger running away full dress as if going out to a dinner party, which was very artful and had made me, along with Parliament, rather suspicious of taking this booking. We shall pay three months in advance with leave to renew on the same terms for six months more. Oh, 
Of course. Uh, excuse me a moment. I am not quite certain, but I may have engaged myself to another party and would step downstairs to look into it. Please, take a seat. If it's you, madam, come in. Sorry to disturb your boot varnishing, sir, but can I have a word? Well, madam, I suppose you would be glad of the money. Yes. I am of the opinion, ma'am, that when money is ready for you, when it is ready for you, Mrs. Liripar, you ought to take it. What is there against it, madam, in this case upstairs? Uh, I really cannot say there is anything against it, sir. Still, I thought I would consult you. You said... A newly married couple, I think, madam. Yes, evidently. And indeed, the young lady mentioned to me in a casual way that she had not been married many months. You would call it a good let, madam? Oh, certainly a good let, sir. Um, say they renew for the additional six months. Would it put you about very much, madam, if the worst was to come to the worst, in the family way for them? Well, I hardly know. It depends upon the circumstances. Would you object, sir, for instance? I object? Jimmy Jackman? <laughs> Mrs Liripa, close with the proposal. So, up the stairs I went and accepted. And they came in next day, which was Saturday, and the Major was so good as to draw up a memorandum of agreement in a beautiful round end and expressions that sounded to me equally legal and military, and Mr Edson signed it on the Monday morning. The first three months paid for had run out without any fresh overtures as to payment into May, my dear, when there came an obligation upon Mr Edson to go on a business expedition right across the Isle of Man, which fell quite unexpectedly on the pretty little thing. And the Isle of Man is not a place that, according to my views, is particularly in the way to anywhere at any time, but that may be a matter of opinion. So short a notice was it that he had to go next day. There, there now. <laughs> Let me go, Peggy. I'm sure I cried too when I saw her on the cold pavement in the sharp east wind taking last leave of him with her pretty bright hair blowing this way and that and her arms clinging round his neck. And by that time it was plain that what the Major had been so accommodating as to say he would not object to happening in the house would happen in it. There, there. You will soon have another to keep up for, my pretty, and you must think of that. Yes, his letter never came when it ought to have. And what she went through, morning after morning, when the postman brought none to her. But at last, one morning, when she was too poorly to come running downstairs. I've taken you first in the street this morning, Mrs Liripa. For here's the one for Mrs Edson. short. Oh, Mrs Liripa, it's, it's very short. My dear Mrs Edson, no doubt that's because your husband hadn't the time to write more just then. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> Major! Hush. I see something's the matter. Don't speak. 
take time. Oh, Major, I'm afraid there's cruel work upstairs. I shall never forgive myself, madam, but I, Jimmy Jackman, didn't see it all that first morning. Didn't go straight upstairs where my boot bun on my hand. Didn't force it down his throat and choke him dead with it on the spot. But Major and me agreed when we came to ourselves that just at present we could do no more than take on to suspect nothing and use our best endeavours to keep that poor young creature quiet. To see the postman now come near the house gave me such a fear that it was a reprieve when he went by until about another ten days or fortnight. Here's one for Mrs Edson. Is she pretty well? She is pretty well, postman, but not well enough to rise as early as she used. Which is so far the gospel truth. Major, I have another letter and I have not the courage to take it up to her. It's an ill-looking villain of a letter. I have not the courage, Major, to take it up to her. Mrs Lurifer, I shall never forgive myself that I, Jimmy Jackman, didn't go straight upstairs that morning with my boot sponge in my hand and force it down his throat and choke him dead with it. Major, you did not do it, which is a blessing, for it would have done no good, and I think your sponge was better employed on your own honourable boots. <laughs> So we got to be rational and planned that I should tap at her bedroom door and lay the letter on the mat outside and wait on the upper landing for what might happen. Never was gunpowder, cannibals, shells or rockets more dreaded than that dreadful letter was by me as I took it up. Her life is gone. Coming, madam. Mrs. Edson, you are not well, my dear, and it is not to be wondered at. Thank you, Mrs. Lirriper. I will try to rest for my head is bad. Major, I beg and pray of you to go out. Madam, trust me, I will do no such thing. How is she? Major, the good Lord above us only knows what burns and rages in her poor mind. I left her sitting at her window. I am going to sit at mine. Capital idea, madam. It came on afternoon and it came on evening. Norfolk is a delightful street to lodge in, provided you don't go lower down. But of a summer evening with the dust and waste paper lie in it and a kind of gritty calm and bake settles on it, it is a trifle dull. Never shall I see it evermore without seeing that dull June evening when that forlorn creature sat at her open corner window on the second and me at mine on the third. While it was yet light, I sat in my bonnet and shawl and as the shadows fell and the tide rose, I could sometimes see that she leaned out a little, looking down the street. It was just settling dark when I looked up and saw her in the street. Fearful of losing sight of her, I went downstairs faster than I had ever moved in my life. She was gone already, and I made the same speed down the street. And when I came to the corner of Howard Street, I saw that she had turned it and was playing before me, going west. She was quite unacquainted with London, so I knew she must be going at hazard. 
Still, she kept to the by streets quite correctly as she went up into the strand. But every corner, I could see her head turn one way that was always to the river. All this time, she never once looked back. But now there was a great change in the manner of her going. Instead of a steady, quick walk with her arms folded, she now went among the dark, dismal arches in a wild way with her arms open wide as if they were wings. And she was flying to her death. We were on the wharf when she stopped. I stopped, saw her hands go to her bonnet strings and took off as quickly as I could. No! Oh, Mrs. Edson, oh, my dear, take care. However did you lose your way and stumble on a dangerous place like this? Why, I thought nobody ever got here except me to order my coals and the major in the parlours to smoke his cigar. <coughs> Goodness gracious me, why, here he is. Hello? Who goes there? Well, if this don't be everything, don't you know us, Major Jackman? Hello? Who calls on Jimmy Jackman? Why, here's Mrs Edson, Major, strolling out to cool her poor head. Which has been very bad. She has missed her way and got lost, and goodness knows where she might have got to, but for me coming here to drop an order into my coal merchant's letterbox, and you coming here to smoke a cigar. But you really are not well enough, my dear, to be half so far from home without me, and your arm will be very acceptable, I'm sure, Major. And I know she may lean upon it as heavily as she likes. Thank you. She was all in a cold shiver and she so continued till I had laid her in her own bed, she holding me by the hand. Oh, wicked, wicked, wicked. Oh. From that time, she always had hold of my hand when I could spare it, which was generally only when I read to her. She had a grateful look in her eyes, like a little affectionate, half-broken-hearted child that never, never will be out of mine until they are closed in my last sleep. No, my dear, not now. You had best not try to tell me now. Wait for better times when you have got over this and are strong, and then you shall speak to me of whatever you will. Only one word now, my dear. Is there anyone? Anyone? That I can go to? No one that I can bring? <laughs> no. No one is wanted by me, my dear. Now that may be considered past and gone. <laughs> Not much more than a week afterwards, for this was far on in the time of our being together. I was bending over her at the bedside with my ear down to her lips, my tongues listening for her breath and looking for a sign of life in her face. At last, it came in a solemn way, like a kind of pale faint light brought very slow to the face. Is this death? Oh, poor dear. Poor dear. I think it is. <coughs> Knowing somehow that she wanted me to move her weak right hand, I took it and laid it on her breast and folded her other hand upon it. She prayed a good prayer, oh, so faintly, and I joined in it. Then I brought the baby in its wrappers from where it lay, and she kissed it and me for the last time. 
this is sent to a childless old woman. This is for me to take care of. Please, God, me and the Major. I don't know how to tell it right, but I saw her soul brighten and leap up and get free in a final grateful look.